Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. I gotta tell a quick story before we go to the first chapter of John and get started here. There, there was this uh, little Baptist lady that got hungry for the Holy Ghost. She kept hearing about this Holy Ghost and tongues and all, you know, gifts of the Spirit. So she snuck over on a Sunday night to this Pentecostal church, and and the the pastor was preaching out of uh, out of Acts two thirty eight that you know repent for your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so he kept having them say, I have Acts 2.38. I have Acts 2.38. So, and she was really, really getting into this. And so she goes home, and she goes into her house, and there's a, there's a guy robbing her house, little old Baptist grandma. And she, 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 flip, she turns the lights off. She, she just turns the lights off, and she goes, uh, uh, I have Acts 2.38. I have Acts 2.38. And the guy freezes. And she picks up her phone, dials 911. 20 minutes later, here come the cops. And they arrest the guy. So they put the handcuffs on. They're putting him in the back seat of the, of the patrol car. And the, the officer looked back and said, I got to ask you a question. He goes, yes, officer, all shamed. Why didn't you run? You had plenty of time to run away. He goes, are you kidding me? That woman told me she had an ax and two 38s. <laughs> The word is powerful, amen? amen? All right. You ready to get on the bus? Look at your neighbor and say, let's get on the bus. Not the taxi. You do know the difference. A taxi is when you tell the driver where you want to go. And a bus is when the bus tells you where it's going. So let's get on the Jesus bus. We're all going to get on the Jesus bus. And for the next 30 minutes, let's go where he takes us, and see where we end up. Would you turn with me to the Gospel of St. John, the first chapter? And while you're looking for it, I'll do likewise. I'm going to begin in verse 43. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael, old cynical Nathanael, said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, Nazareth had a horrible reputation of extremely unethical men. Like you could not trust, you couldn't trust somebody from Nazareth. That was the reputation back then. And so Nathaniel was just saying, are you kidding me? Another Messiah, a new Messiah, a new uh, rock star rabbi, and he's from where? Oh, he's from Nazareth. Are you kidding me? But he follows. Now in verse 47, Jesus, or he goes, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him, probably with a smile on our Lord's face. Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit, or perhaps your Bible says no guile. Nathaniel said to him, I'm in the New King James, by the way. Nathaniel said to him, you don't know me. How do you know me? You don't know me. We've never met. And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. We call this a word of knowledge. Watch this. 
Nathaniel said to him, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. You know, it's amazing how quick a mind can change when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. Now watch what Jesus says. Verse 50. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you hereafter, you shall see the heavens open. Wow. And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, which is a direct quote, if you will, or at least reference to Genesis 28, Jacob's ladder, where Jacob saw an open heaven. He saw the Lord standing at the, at the top of the ladder, and he saw angels. I, I would have thought the Bible would have said angels coming down, angels going up. No, no, no. It says angels going up and coming down. What does that mean? To me, it means angels are taking our prayers up, our prophecies up, our proclamations, decrees up, and bringing answers down. Because when there's an open heaven, when there is an open heaven, there's favor, there's revival, there's blessing, there's miracles, there's healings. Today, for a little while, I want to talk about how you and I can live under an open heaven. How we can have, even in the Bay Area, New Babylon, if you will, even in the Bay Area, how we can have an open heaven over our church, over our families, over our, our workplace. Because Jesus just told, now remember, in Deuteronomy 28, verse 23, the, the chapter, pastor of the blessings and cursings, in around verse 23, when God warned his people Israel, if you go a whoring after other idols, if you turn to other idols, I will make the sky as brass and the earth as iron. In other words, I will shut off rain and blessing and you'll have no crops, you'll have no food, you'll have famine, pestilence because of the drought, because of your sin. It's in the Bible. So now, because God's people didn't listen to Malachi, where's my honor? Where's my tithe? Where's my, where's my love? And they didn't repent. Rome was allowed to come and occupy. And so Jesus is born under the occupation of Caesar and Rome and Herod and all that mess and Pilate. Am I right about that? Which means the sky was brass because all these pagans are now running Israel. But Jesus told Nathaniel, I don't care how sinful the heavens are. Wherever I am, there's going to be an opening. Wherever I am, God's going to, just like in the book of Daniel, God's going to punch a hole through the brazen skies and angels are going to bring and minister, going to bring ministry aids and help to us where you're going to see things. Nathaniel, you're going to see things you never dreamed of, but stick close to me. Look at your neighbor and say, stick close to Jesus. Stick close to Jesus, and you'll see things you never saw before. And that's what he's saying. All right, Revelation chapter 4, real quick. After these things, he just, wrote the, he just wrote the seven letters to the seven churches. After these things, I looked, and behold, the door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, John, come up here. <laughs> I like that. John, come up here. I'll show you things which must take place after this. John says, immediately I was in the Spirit, and I began to see things. 
like, wow, as you read on. I like that. John sees an open door. He sees Jesus. And Jesus says, John, come up here. See, we, we all want Jesus to come down here. He already did that. He did that. He did it for about three and a half years. Watch now. John. John, come up here. Why? Because elevation brings revelation. Because the higher you go with God, the clearer and the farther you will see. Especially your prophetic promises and future. All right. So if you're taking notes, this is our title. Recognizing open heavens. Responding to open doors, receiving from open windows. Recognizing when the heavens are opening, responding to heaven's doors, and how to receive from open windows. If that's too long, just write, re- <laughs> just write three R's. Recognizing, responding, and receiving. Stretch your hand towards me. Ask God to use me for about 20 more minutes to bring a tremendous word, a rhema, a right now, ready, rudder, rhema word to this house in Jesus' name. Father, I receive the prayers of these, your people. So let's roll. Here we go. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Ron Carpenter said something that he learned from Miles Monroe, and I remember now Miles saying this. The church in America is really good at preaching Jesus, but not too good at preaching what Jesus preached. Jesus preached the kingdom. That's all he preached. Every parable was the kingdom's like this, the kingdom's like that, the kingdom does this, the kingdom does that. Everything Jesus preached was the kingdom, but his cousin, John the Baptist, as you know, who was six months older than Jesus. Now, Elizabeth lived about 100 miles from Mary. So we don't know for sure if Jesus and his cousin John played, knew each other that well. Maybe not. Now, families did go to Jerusalem three times a year for the, for the, for the festivals and the holy days where they had to. But we don't have any record of Jesus and his cousin, John, uh, having any fellowship. Now, it's interesting. If you look at chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus starts his ministry by preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. It's like, Jesus, can't you get your own sermon? I mean, that's exactly what John preached. He's preaching exactly. What, but watch now. See, the word family, the word repent carries a bit of a negative connotation, if you will. It's really a beautiful word. It doesn't simply mean, you know, feel really bad and change. Re means what? R-E means what? Turn. Re means turn. The prefix re. Pent literally means five. Penthouse. Even the devil knows that pentagon or pentagram. 
But our, we have the Pentagon, five-sided building for our military headquarters, and the devil has the pentagram. Pent, pent means five. Five is the number of grace. Let me ask you a question. Where's the penthouse? Where's the penthouse in a building? It's on top. And it's the most luxurious and probably the most expensive, the penthouse. So catch this. Repent means turn and get back to the top. Get back to the top. Quit living the low life. Get to the high life. Not Miller high life, but the high life. Sometimes you got to qualify things. I'm in California. All right, here we go. Verse 13, Jesus came. This is, this is good. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. This gets fascinating. And John tried to prevent him, of course, saying, what are you doing? I need to be baptized by you, and, and you're coming to me. But watch this. Jesus answered and said, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us, you and I, John, to fulfill all righteousness. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Here we go. And behold, heavens are open. Heavens are open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. The book of John says John the Baptist and Jesus both saw it. Not sure if anybody else saw it. But the Baptist and our Lord saw the Holy Spirit like a dove. And suddenly a voice from heaven, the Father, saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. All right, let, 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 me, let me stop right there. Then we're going to read on. John's baptism, as you know, was the baptism of repentance. People that felt really bad about their lifestyle and their choices would walk miles, miles, to where John was baptizing people. I mean, thousands of people. There was a revival going on, but it was a revival of repentance. So what's Jesus doing? The sinless Lamb of God. In fact, even John the Baptist, the same story in the Gospel of John, Pastor said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the... Don't say sins. The Bible doesn't say sins. It says sin. What do I mean by that? Jesus didn't come to trim your leaves and prune your branches because of mistakes. Jesus came to pull up the roots of the very thing that causes us. Jesus came to take away the Adamic nature we're born with. Jesus came to take away sin, not just our sins, things that we still do. And, and that's Peter said, you know, or John said, you know, you lie if you say you don't make mistakes. We're not, we're, we still have flesh. <laughs> we're still in the world. So John said, behold, the Lamb of God. He didn't say, here comes my cousin. What's he doing here? John had a revelation that this was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And then Jesus says, baptize me. And John goes, are you crazy? You don't need to be baptized. You need, I'm, I'm a sinner. You need to baptize me. But, but Jesus says, let it be so to fulfill, underscore that, all righteousness. All right, watch now. John the Baptist's daddy was who? Zacharias. Zacharias was what? A Levite. He was a priest. Priests prepared lambs for sacrifice. They would wash them and slit their throat, and they would bleed for sin. 
which means John's a Levite. And so what's Jesus doing, Manny? Jesus is saying, John, what we're going to do is a prophetic act because I am the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world, but I must, I must be prepared by a Levite to fulfill all righteousness. Because as you know, how many of you have been water baptized? If not, get in the water. Because it's symbolic of going down represents death. And coming up represents newness of life. Cleansed by the Holy Ghost of all our sins, past, present, and future. Am I right about that? All right, now watch. Here we go. It gets, it gets better. Let's go, jump down to chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That don't even sound like it should be in the Bible. Like, pastor... How could the Holy Ghost lead Jesus to be tempted by the devil? That doesn't even sound fair. Well, it's in the Bible. And it had to, it had to happen. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Are you kidding me? I'm hungry when I miss one meal. <laughs> For, I say, three meals times 40, he missed 120 meals. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you're the son of God, you know the devil, that's what the devil does and still does it, tries to bring into question the validity of God's word. If, if, that little preposition. You think, you think you're the Messiah? You think you're really the son of God? Prove it to me. If you're the son of God, turn these stones, I know you're hungry, turn these stones into bread. Isn't it interesting? The first temptation of a human being was food, and the first temptation of our Lord is over food. Because food brings pleasure, and the devil always attacks our flesh first. Always. Because our flesh is weak, and he knows it. And so, here's the great answer. Jesus answers, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema. Not logos. Even though the, the word logos is found way more places. You see, there's two Greek words for word. What, what fascinates me, too, is sword is word with an S in front of it. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And it's interesting if you understand what S means. Man shall not live by, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema. The Greek word rhema, it's like, let's just say this, logos is the word. This, this whole Bible is the Logos of God. Am I right about that, Pastor? This whole Bible is the Logos. It's the written Word of God, which we read and we're blessed. But Rhema is a word that comes out of the Word. And Rhema is your word. Rhema is a right now word that has your name on it. Rhema is a word that will change your life. Amen. It's like this. Pastor can preach for an hour, but he says one thing that changes your life. You don't remember the four scriptures. You don't remember the stories, the jokes. You don't remember nothing. You're going home like, oh, my God, that was my word. For the, that's rhema. That, rhema is what changes lives, changes directions. R-H-E-M-A, rhema. It, it really means the spoken or the preached word or the illuminated word. So a rhema is a word that comes out of the logos. 
Here we go. In the beginning, watch John 1. In the beginning was the Logos. The Logos was with God. The Logos was God. And the Logos, it's always the Logos. Because Jesus is the logo. How many, how many, if I showed you a silver apple with a bite out of it, you'd say, yeah, I got an I-10. And one of these days I can afford an I-11. Companies have logos. Am I right about that? Sports teams have logos. Companies have logos. Churches have logos. Do you know Jesus is the logo of heaven? I'll prove it to you. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the logo of all of the kingdom and the heaven. And I hope someday you and I can say, if you watch me close enough, you'll see Jesus. Because we are the logo of the kingdom. But a rhema, let's get back to that. Here we go. You ready? We're going to take it up a notch. Jesus said, it is written. Why didn't he say it was written? Because it was 1,566 years before our narrative in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. Jesus took three scriptures out of the book of Deuteronomy, I think two out of chapter 8, one out of chapter 6, to rebuke the devil. So why didn't Jesus say, Manny, it was written? He could have said that, and it would have been true. But he says, it is now, is, ladies and gentlemen, is an adverb. An adverb modifies the following verb or adjective. Is is present tense. Was is past tense. So Jesus reaches back 1,500 and about 66 years and pulls an old ancient text and brings it into the right now, devil, right now, here and now, what I'm telling you isn't some old dead scripture. What I'm telling you is the living word of God. It is written three times. It's like it's the first time the devil ever heard that. Now, remember, the adverb modifies the following word, and the following word is written. In other words, it's like it's being written right in your face, devil. Man lives not by bread alone, but by every rhema. And I got a rhema for you, devil. And the Bible says in one of the texts, the devil flees in terror because he never, ever faced anybody like this prophet from Nazareth. Okay. Now we got we to gotta go quick. Running out of time. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 is basically the same story. The temptation in the wilderness, and this is Luke's account, Dr. Luke. Let's pick it up in verse 14. This is after the temptation. This is the way Luke is scribing this. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went throughout all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he, he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. He's home. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, Saturday, and stood up to read. And he was handed the book or scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, 
He found the place where it was. Written. Yes, it was. About 700 years before Jesus walked the earth, the great prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, unlike Elijah, and Elijah performed no miracles we know of. But the boy could write. I mean, I don't know how many sermons I've preached on the book of Isaiah. There are some rich, there are some rich things in the book of Isaiah where we could go crazy preaching for a month just on Isaiah 60, 61, 55, 54, 53. I mean, there's so many rich messianic glimpses of Messiah to come out of the book of Isaiah. So watch now. As his custom was, Jesus was raised in this church, the synagogue. As his custom was, he went to church. And it's like, Men took, men took turns reading the scripture of the day. So, pastor, it's kind of like church as usual, except they've been hearing a lot of rumors about Mary and Joseph's boy doing some, doing some things around the Galilee. And so they're, they're somewhat curious and fascinated, like any of this stuff true about him. You know, he is a carpenter. Now he's a preacher, kind of like me. I went from an iron worker to a preacher, like, in one week. And I got friends of mine that still think something wrong. <laughs> like, what's, what's Dickie up to? They used to call me Dickie when I was younger. Dickie's a preacher? Are you kidding? Is he running some game or some scam or <laughs> laundering mafia money? Not, not, not Dick Bernal. He runs with the Hells Angels. What? He's a preacher. One of my buddies, he's president of the Hells Angels, he said, Thank God I almost joined him. I was their karate instructor back in the 60s. And he said, hey, Dick, thank God you didn't join us. I said, why? He goes, would have nobody to marry us and bury us. <laughs> and boy, I've done a lot lately to both, by God's grace and whatever. So watch now. So he begins to read. It was written. Again, it's just like church as usual. It's just another Saturday at church where we read some beautiful scripture about Messiah to come. And we say, Baruch Hashem Adonai and Shalom, Hallelujah. And let's go have some, some chicken soup and enjoy the rest of Saturday. It's just another, just another day at church. Until as he reads... And finds the place in Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Wow. And recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and depressed and everything else. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which was the year of Jubilee. Thank you, Jesus. And he closed the book, gave it to the attendant, sat down. Business as usual. Church as usual. Saturday as usual until verse 21. He says to them today, <laughs> the scripture is that which was, now is, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Watch, what is he saying? This scripture is fulfilled. Remember he said, we must fulfill all righteousness back in Matthew. He sits down and he looks at, you know, Nazareth maybe had 2,500 people. It was a small little town. He knew everybody. Everybody knew him. 
And he's looking at him, eyeball to eyeball. And he says, today. Somebody say today. Today. What Jesus is saying is this. Watch now. 700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah released out of his mouth and pen a beautiful prophecy about proof that this is Messiah. Whoever, whoever does all this, heals, opens blind eyes, he will be, that will be proof. That's the true Messiah. And Jesus just said, I'm it. Today, I have an announcement. I have an announcement today. He's not coming. He's here. And I am he. Now watch, watch, watch. A 700-year-old prophecy. Once it was released out of the mouth of Isaiah, it just circled in the heavens. Like an airplane, like an airplane circling over San Jose Airport waiting for air control to say, come on down. Runway 3. For 700 years, Pastor, what we call Isaiah 61 was floating in the spirit realm, in the fourth dimension. And Jesus just said, I brought it down. And today, the scripture is right in front of you. So let me ask you a question. Why not today be your today? Why not an ancient scripture written by Paul 1950 years ago or, or written by David 3,000 years ago or Moses 5,000, whatever years ago? A scripture you're standing on, something you're believing for your, your physical well-being, uh, something you're believing for finances, you're believing for your marriage, you're, you're believing for something. You're, sta- you're standing on an ancient scripture. You're praying. You're standing on it. Why not today? Yeah. That scripture, my scripture, my rhema, my word from the Lord is fulfilled. In other words, it's answered. Now say today like today's today. No, say today, say today like it's going to happen. No, like it's going to happen. Why not? You say, well, pastor, are you just kind of hyping this thing? Okay. So it doesn't happen today. But when tomorrow comes, what are you going to call tomorrow? See? (laughs) Moses said, what should I, what do I call you? Who do I tell Pharaoh? Uh, Elohim? Jehovah? El Shaddai? El Adonai? No, just tell him I am. That I am. Moses taking notes. What? Just tell Pharaoh, I am. That I am. Don't tell him I used to be. Don't tell him I will be. Tell him I am the right now God. And he better let my people go right now. Jehovah means the ever present, the ever present existing one. That's why I love Hebrews 11 and 1, Pastor. Now faith is. Now faith is. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith, watch, hope is future, faith is now. Faith is always right now. 
Faith is always right now. There's no such thing as blind faith or, well, I'm just kind of hoping and wishing and praying. That doesn't work. The writer said, now faith is. Now hope, hope, is, hope is vision. Hope is out there in the future. I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping for something. But I got to make sure I see it clearly because my faith will only attach itself to what it sees clearly. So now, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things I can't see. The evidence is I have a witness of the Holy Spirit. The evidence is I have a scripture to stand on. Amen. The evidence is I'm believing. Now it's out there and it's going to come. And when today is here, today is here. Because my today is coming. My today is coming. There's a scripture my wife and I stood on. We've been married 44 years, almost 44 years. And there's a scripture, Isaiah 32, 18, that we shall have sure. When I met her, when I met her, I was renting a room for $25 a week. Broke. I had more month than money. <laughs> Every month. And I bought everybody drinks and I and I was I was you you wouldn't hang out with me. I was the life I was the life of the party. Got paid on Wednesday and by Saturday, I'm borrowing lunch money. But I had a good time. They they tell me, I don't remember. And there's a scripture, Isaiah 30, that, that God said, my people shall have sure, safe dwelling places. And the way we looked at it is one of these days we're going to own a house and have no house payment. We believed that for 40 some odd years. A couple of months ago, I paid off our house. Amen. I had me a today. That scripture was fulfilled. All right, we're going to close with this real quick. Four things that's going to help you and I understand how to recognize, respond, and receive. Real quick. Got time? Real quick. Just real quick. Four things. And this is a bit pedestrian. Uh, sounds somewhat simplistic, but, but bear with me. Number one, number one, prayer, meditation, praying in tongues. The Bible says in Luke 3, I think 21, it says, it says, Jesus was in prayer and heaven opened. Jesus was in prayer and heaven opened. John said in Revelation chapter 1, uh, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heaven opened. A couple, couple chapters later, I saw a door open. So prayer, meditation, Joshua, Joshua chapter 8 verse 1, or Joshua 1, 8, whatever, yeah. Meditate day and night. And then praying in tongues, Jude said, pray in the Holy Ghost to build up your most holy faith. Number two, corporate or private praise and worship will help you realize heaven's open. Isn't there something special about the 30 minutes we spend in worship and then maybe, maybe in the car or at home? Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in jail. You know the story. They're in Philippi, beaten half to death. They're in shackles and chains. But at midnight, you may, going through, you may, you may be going through a midnight season right now. Worst time of your life. The worst time of their life, beaten half to death, in jail, maybe facing execution. At midnight, they begin to have a song service. It says they begin to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They begin to sing in tongues. They begin to sing. Watch now. And there's a great earthquake. I, I've, I've been in that jail a few times. And there's a great big crack in that cave. And our Jewish guide said, there was a big earthquake here. And my son and I were looking at each other like, hello, what's in Acts 16? Why can't you Jews see this? The Bible says there was a, Angie, there was a huge earthquake. All the doors were opened. Watch. Praise and worship. Earthquake. 
All the doors are open. All the shackles and bondages and chains are broken. Now watch. Catch this. Not just innocent Paul and Silas, but all the prisoners who were guilty. See, we, you have no idea what we do at this church, what it's doing to this region. What it's doing. Because when there's an, op when there's an open heaven, it spills over. Somebody be walking down the sidewalk and all of a sudden, I need to get right with God. Why? Because of what we're doing in this building right here. Right here. All the check. Okay. Real quick, number three, personal prophecy. Paul told young Timothy, the, the first mega pastor, Paul told Timothy, when, when you get scared, you feel like, you know, you're not worthy, remember the prophecies over you. Remember the prophecies. Keep, the, keep heaven open. Don't let doubt and fear close it. Keep heaven open by remembering those words spoken over you. And number four, Book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the tithe. Bring the offering. Come back. God says, come back. It's amazing how many Christians don't, don't believe in tithing and giving. And Well, that's in the Old Testament. <laughs> that, that argument is so old and, and worn out. And you don't, want to argue, you don't want to argue tithes and offerings with me. You do not. You do not. Bring the, bring the tithe, he said, and see if I won't open the windows. See, heaven has windows. See, in the spirit realm, and God always speaks in languages we humans can relate to. But in the fourth, see, watch now. Before I was saved, I was a two-dimensional creature. I was a soul that had a body. But when I was born again spirit-filled, I became a three-dimensional creature. I was a spirit that had a soul, had a body. And when you're a three-dimensional creation, you can traffic in the fourth dimension. And the fourth dimension is the kingdom. My, my pastor wrote a great book, The Fourth Dimension. And that's why you and I live in two worlds at the same time, and we know it. We're in the world, we're not of the world. We know the world we're not of, but we know we're in. We're in this world, and we have to do certain things because this world demands certain things. Go to work, need sleep, need to eat, pay your bills, sit in a chair. Sometimes we don't feel good. That's, that's, this, that's this world. But when you're a spirit-filled, born-again Christian, you understand there's another world. And we understand how it works. Seed time and harvest. Reap what you sow. Stand on the word. Confess the word. All these wonderful things, how we get heaven to respond to us. And so God simply said, bring the tithes and offerings. And if you will, try me, test me in this, God says. The only time he says that. Test me in this. If I'll not open this great big window. Now, a lot of people miss this, George. A lot of people miss this. And I'll pour out a blessing so big you can't contain it. So I was also able to buy my daughter and son-in-law a house and my other son a house. Because, why? Because we've been, this woman taught me, this woman taught me, took her a little while. 1977, honey, we need to start bringing our ties. I never heard that word. I said, what? I only been saved two weeks. I go, what? My hair's still wet from being baptized last Sunday. Like, what? She goes, that tie, I like necktie. I don't have any neckties. So I'm an iron worker. We don't. She goes, no, no, T-I-T-H-E. I go, what's that? She goes, 10th. I said, 10th of what? She goes, everything. I said, what do you mean everything? I said, I got a house payment, union dues, car payment, truck payment. 
bar, not, not, my, not my bar payment. That was always cash. I'm sorry. No, no. I'm saying, what are you talking about? We got PG&E. We got, she goes, honey, we got to start giving God temper. It took her a few months. I mean, she, kept, she, she stayed on me. I'll never forget that first, that first, I made about $300 a week, that first $30 check. And they passed that plate. That, remember those big plates? And I remember, I remember putting that $30 with a tear coming down my eye. I'm waving goodbye to $30. But then finally I realized you never lose anything that you give to God. Never. 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 And that's why the Bible says, give and it shall be given good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over into, into your bosom. Shall God move upon men to give? Paul said, give, you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. I mean, it's all through the Bible. It's all through the Bible how God wants to bless us beyond our wildest dreams if we'll just simply do what the Word says. Would you stand up with me, everybody? I'm finished, but I'm not done. I got more notes than time. Maybe I'll get invited back and we'll continue on, on, on this theme. But I hear a sound. The prophet said, I hear a sound. In the middle of three and a half years of drought, famine, and pestilence, God's mercy, he said, I'll send the rain. Tell Ahab. And the, the, the prophet said to his servant, I hear a sound of abundance coming. Can I tell CWC, this old, this old preacher, I hear a sound. I hear a sound. I hear a sound of blessing and favor and miracles and healings and opportunities and open doors coming to this house. If you'll just stay steady, stay faithful, serve the man and the woman of God. Do your best. Bring people to church. I'm the most unreligious. I, I, I actually do not. I, I, I hate to use the word hate, but I, I kind of, I, I hate what religion has done to Christianity because we are not a religion. We are not a religion. We're a family. We're a relationship. That's why we call God Father. That's why I call you my brother, my sister. That's why we call this our church home because we're a family. And people all over the east side, all over this part, of San Jose are looking for a family. They're looking for a family that'll just love them. Like my brother Chris, 16 years in prison, he found a family at CWC. He was a little embarrassed coming to Jubilee because you're Pastor Dick's brother? <laughs> he was a little embarrassed. What happened to you? <laughs> He's funny. Chris is funny. I love that boy. My boy, 64 years old. When you're my age, everybody's a boy. Father, I just bless this congregation with an apostolic, any authority I have given by heaven. Lord, I bless this pastor and his wife, this wonderful church, this great church right here. And I feel like a homeboy, Lord. I feel like a homeboy today because I'm, I'm an east sider. I'm a, I'm a white road kid. I feel comfortable here, Lord. I feel like I'm one of them, and I hope they feel likewise. So I just bless these people these wonderful people. Some I know, some I don't know. Some I may never see again until I get to heaven, but Lord, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, hey, didn't I see you? Didn't I see you back in 2019? 
Pastor, thank you so much for uh, allowing my family to be here. And God bless you and your great work. Thank you, sir. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.